Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. All right, loved ones, jumping right into the scriptures this morning, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, we're in the second week of three weeks in this first psalm, Psalm chapter 1, and the title of this morning's message is this, What the Blessed Life Looks Like. What the Blessed Life Looks Like. Psalm chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. And then we're going to spend our time expounding on verse 3 and trusting that we have a lot of truth in verse 3 that's going to transform us and help us and strengthen us and challenge us today. All right, starting from verse 1 of Psalm chapter 1, says this, Blessed is the man, blessed, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This is a description in verse 3 of what the blessed life looks like. But before we dive into unpack verse three, I want us to review really quickly what we saw last week in verses one and two. We saw first last week that the word blessed, it means happy. It means to be fulfilled. It describes a life that possesses the fullness of God. We saw last week a description of what the blessed life first does not do. And we also saw a description of what the blessed life does do. Notice it on the screen. The blessed life we saw last week does not pursue ungodly counsel. The blessed life, the life that is happy, fulfilled, experiencing the fullness of all that God has, does not seek out the doctrines of the world or the counsel of the world because that leads to a partnership we saw with open sinners. And that partnership with open sinners ultimately results in a full participation in open rebellion. We got that right from the text. Remember what the psalmist taught us in verse 1. Blessed, happy, fulfilled, possessing the fullness of God is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Why? Why? Because contrary to what the world is teaching us, the counsel of the wicked and a life of sin is not the path of joy. It is not the path to happiness. It's not the path to fulfillment, but it is the sure path to pain and sorrow and emptiness. And so if you want to live the blessed life, we saw what that blessed life does not do. We saw instead that the blessed life does this. Notice on the screen, the blessed life loves God's word. 
He delights in the law of the Lord and on the law he meditates day and night. The one who is blessed, the one who is happy, the one who is fulfilled, the one who experiences joy even in the midst of sorrow and suffering is the one who cares profoundly about what God thinks, about what God says, about what God teaches. And this life wholeheartedly puts their arms around God's instruction, God's teaching, God's correction, God's rebuke, God's training found in God's word. The one who is blessed is the one who delights in and loves the word of God. And today, Today, the psalmist takes us even deeper in verse 3 into what this kind of life actually looks like. If you want it, if you want to know what it looks like, if you want to know what it's marked by, that's where we're going today. That this life actually and practically produces something. And it's here that you get a glimpse and a taste of what true blessing, the blessing of God can look like and produce in your life and in my life, and in our church. So really quick, this morning, I was up early, and I was praying for trees. No, no, I wasn't praying for the trees out in my yard. I was praying that we would be a church full of trees, trees that are planted by streams of water. That's the image the text gives us. Let's dive into it. Point number one is this, what the blessed life looks like. Make a note of this. It is firmly rooted. If you're looking for happiness, if you're looking for joy in the midst of hard circumstances, if you're looking for a life that is fulfilled in the midst of a variety of different circumstances, this is what it looks like. It's a life that is firmly rooted. Notice verse three. The psalmist goes on. He says, he is like a tree. Who is like a tree? The blessed man is like a tree. The blessed woman is like a tree. I want you to notice right away the imagery. The psalmist is putting in front of us in order to illustrate the reality of the blessed life. Look at verses one to three again in your Bibles. The blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree. Now, trees in the Bible can signify uh, many different things. But here in Psalm 1, the imagery of the tree is used to illustrate a deep truth about what the life of blessing actually looks like. That the blessed life The blessed man or woman, the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night, this person is marked by the vibrant and vital life that's compared to a a mighty tree. But not just any tree. Notice verse 3 again. The psalmist says he is like a tree, watch this, planted by streams of water. Now that imagery is important for us. 
and it delivers and it illustrates important truth for us. If you want to begin to live the blessed life, if you want to experience the blessed life, if you want to be among those in this world and in Christian circles that actually experiences joy in suffering, that actually walks in the path that God has for us with happiness, then we need to understand this truth. On the screen for you is a picture of a healthy tree and its roots. Critical for us to understand that the most important thing about a tree is its root system. Here's a little bit about trees and their roots. I'll read this to you. Tree roots need moisture. They need air and they need a favorable temperature to function and grow. Tree roots need to be deep enough to avoid sunlight and to stay moist, but should be shallow enough to absorb adequate oxygen. During drought periods, tree roots do not receive enough water to function. As a result, the tree leaves wilt and they die and they fall off. So what does this tell us? It tells us when a tree's roots are well watered, the psalmist understands this. When a tree's roots are well watered, the tree becomes firmly established. When a tree's roots are well nourished, the trees become productive. When a tree root receives enough adequate water, it develops and it grows and it is strengthened. The psalmist is illustrating for us something very profound for the Christian life. This is not some high-level abstract theology. This is something for you today. This is something for me today in our everyday life. The psalmist is illustrating what a life of blessing looks like in terms of trees and roots. And just as a tree is strong and productive and beautiful and healthy when its roots are amply nourished by streams of water, so the Christian is strong, productive, vibrant, and blessed when it is amply nourished by the word of God. That's true. That's why he says of the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night, that they are like a tree planted by streams of water. The tree that is planted by streams of water is a picture of this nourishment and this substance and this strength, not superficial surface level strength but deep, firmly rooted strength. And let me just tell you what we've probably discovered in the Christian church over the last two years is that there are a lot of Christians out there that are not firmly rooted in God's truth. There's a lot of Christians out there that are easily taken captive by vain philosophies and worldly ideologies. Why? Because they're not like firmly grounded, rooted trees. Rooted in what? The, the best blog out there? No. Rooted in what? Your favorite preacher's opinions? No. Rooted in what? The word of God. The word of truth. The tree that's planted by streams of water is a picture of this life, the life that I'm praying all of us possess, this vital life nourished by the word of God. That's why this morning when I got up, I said, Lord, make our church a church full of trees that are like, like planted by streams of water. Lord, make our church a mighty forest of trees, firmly planted with roots that go deep, 
like a mighty tree planted by streams of water. So here's a question for you. Do you want to be firmly rooted? Do you care about that today? Have you noticed your tendency to be blown by every wind of doctrine and every ideology that comes your way? Have you seen your tendency to be blown this way and blown that way and pulled this way and pulled that way? That's not what happens to strong, mighty trees that are firmly rooted. They stand firm and they are grounded. So if you want to be firmly grounded today, if you want to be firmly rooted today, if you want your life to count for something. Let me just stop on that note for a second. Do you want your life to count for something? Do you want your life to mean something in the grand scheme of eternity? Do you want to live for things that matter? And you need to be firmly rooted like a tree planted by streams of water. If you want that blessed and firmly rooted life, make a note of this. The blessed and firmly rooted life is Number one, it's dependent. It's dependent. Trees don't water themselves. Don't, don't make a mistake here. When I talk about a tree that is strong and mighty, I'm not saying that the tree is strong and mighty in and of itself. I'm not saying that we Christians are strong and mighty in and of ourselves. In fact, the Christian life is the opposite of that. If you want to be firmly rooted like a mighty tree, you must be dependent, dependent on God. I'm convinced that one of the greatest obstacles to the blessings and the joy and the strength of the Christian life is, you know what it is? It's self-sufficiency. Why are so many Christians wobbly and weak and being blown around and not firmly rooted? Because too many of us are trying to be self-sufficient, independent. The Christian life, loved ones, is not about independence. The true Christian life is a life of beautiful dependence. Look at verse 3. He is like a tree. Notice this. Planted by streams of water. I want you to notice that the tree of Psalm 1 is completely dependent on the water of the stream for nourishment of its root system. Trees don't water themselves. I want you to notice that the tree of Psalm 1 is planted by a, a steady stream, an abundant supply of water. I want you to notice that the tree of Psalm 1 is positioned for growth and strength as it is planted near the stream of water. Loved ones, just like trees cannot water themselves, but are dependent on the stream of water to nourish the root systems. We Christians cannot nourish ourselves in and of ourselves. And just like the tree that is planted by streams of water flourishes because of its position near the water source, we Christians flourish only as we are positioned dependently on the word of God. You can't will this to be in your life. You're dependent on one who is greater. You can't produce this in and of yourself. You are dependent on one who is greater. That means that the blessed life is not dependent on money. You worried about money these days? 
You're worried about gas prices? You're worried about the economy? That's not what we depend on. The blessed life is not dependent on status. You're worried about your job? You're worried about what people think about you? The blessed life is not dependent on status. The blessed life is not dependent on success. You're worried about climbing the corporate ladder, making a name for yourself, letting everyone know who you are and why you belong here. No, the blessed life is not dependent on this. The blessed life is totally dependent on and positions itself under the only source of blessing, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and all we need to know about him found in the word of God, the word of truth. On the screen for you, my life verse, John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Why, Jesus, why? Because apart from me, you can do nothing. That sounds like dependence to me. Psalm 119, 105 on the screen says, your word is what? A lamp to my feet. I can't see where I'm going. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Without your word lighting my path, I can't see anything. I just keep falling down. I keep taking the wrong path. On the screen, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you all know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of a man plans his way. It's good to plan, plan your way, but the Lord establishes his steps. We are dependent. One more, Psalm 73, 25 to 26. Psalm says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Oh, loved ones. When things get hard for us, when life looks uncertain for us, when the world around us looks like a disaster, when politically speaking, our country turns into a train wreck and you're tempted to look inward, you're tempted to look around for solutions, for ways that you're gonna get through, I want you to stop and I want you to remember that the man who delights in the law of the Lord, the woman who delights in the law of the Lord is like a tree planted by streams of water. That means we are dependent on the word of God for our nourishment and our sustenance and our strength. This is not an ordinary book. This is not even an ordinary sermon. Whenever someone preaches to you from the word of God about the word of God, you better listen because what the word of God says about itself can change your life. It can change the trajectory that you are walking on. So just like the tree is totally dependent on the stream of water in order to be firmly rooted, so loved ones, the Christian life is a life of dependence on the only source of blessing and joy and perspective and happiness and or as the psalmist puts it, delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. So here's a real question for you to answer in your own heart. How's your dependence today? 
How's your dependence? Are you dependent on the word of God? As you study in your school, as you make plans in your business, as you function in your small group and in your church, in your ministry, as you consider the dynamics of the world around you, are you dependent, loved ones? I pray that we would be a church that understands this truth. And that's why we must be a church of much prayer. The blessed and firmly rooted life is dependent. Secondly, the blessed and firmly rooted life is, note this, is uh, consistent, consistent. Uh, trees must be watered regularly, regularly. Notice verse three again. He is like a tree planted again by streams of water. Don't miss the imagery and don't miss the glory of what's being said here. The idea of being planted by streams of water not only conveys the tree's dependence on the stream, but it also conveys a steady, regular, consistent flow of water to the root system of that tree. So what does this tell me? It tells me I can't live today on yesterday's devotion. I can't live today on last week's sermon. I can't live today on last month's prayer meeting. I need a regular, steady flow of God's power through God's word and prayer, consistent Trees must be watered regularly, and perhaps this is the part that convicts some of us the most, because if you're like me, you fluctuate in your life, don't you, in many different things. If you're like me, you look at your life, and so many days, it's up and down, and up and down, and up and down. You feel that way sometimes? Up and down in terms of my emotions, up and down in terms of what I think, up and down in terms of how many days and how consistently I'm picking up this book. You ever feel that way? Well, the life that is blessed is not only dependent, therefore it is consistent. Loved ones, many of us struggle in our lives to experience true blessing. And sometimes we think that God is the problem. Don't we? Can't hear you, God. I don't know what you're doing, God. I don't know what you're saying, God. I don't know where you're leading, God. God's not the problem. God is never the problem. Really, the problem is with us because there is a river full of life and blessing. That is God's word in Christ himself. Look at what C.H. Spurgeon wrote on the screen. He wrote this, even if one river should fail, he has another. The rivers of pardon and the rivers of grace and the rivers of the promise and the rivers of communion with Christ are never failing sources of supply. Loved ones, God's word points us to a never ending river of nourishment and life in Christ. Are you consistent in it? Loved ones, God's word points us to the never-ending river of wisdom in perplexing days and competing worldviews. And I know it's easier to read the article that popped up in your Twitter feed. I know that it's easier for you to grab a hold of a strong theologian and what they may think about what's happening in these days. But let me tell you, that's not enough. There's a never-ending river 
It flows from the word of God to nourish us with wisdom. Loved ones, God's word points us to the never-ending river of peace and calm in the midst of confusion and chaos. Loved ones, we believe in this church in the authority of the Bible and the sufficiency of the Bible and the necessity of the Bible and the clarity of the Bible and the inerrancy of the Bible and the inspiration of the Bible. We believe that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Second Peter 1, 3 to 4. So what are we doing so many days? What are we doing staring at the computer, scrolling through our social media feeds? What are we doing? when we haven't picked up the never-ending river that flows and flows and flows and flows with wisdom, with very great and precious promises for our lives. Now, some of you may say, Jason, I believe that's true. I, I really do but I feel like I need a little bit of help. Maybe some of you are hearing me and you say, the Bible's new to me. I, I don't really know how to start or get started. Maybe some of you are saying there's some things in it that are very difficult for me to understand. I'm going to share three things with you that I've shared in this church many, many times before. But I believe it's as simple as this and can produce tremendous power in your life. Three things I want to share with you to help you today. Three basic steps towards living a blessed and firmly rooted life in God's word. Number one, you need to get a plan. You need to get a plan. You say, well, I just pick up the Bible and I just flip and I just see and, and I hope God speaks to me. It's not a good plan. You say, but can't God do, use that? Can't God? Sure, God can do whatever he wants. Flip to any page in this book and it's powerful. It's beautiful. It'll instruct you for sure. But you got to get a plan. You got to study to show yourself approved. Have a plan. Go to our website. We have plans for you. We have resources that can help you. Get a plan. A dependent and consistently nourished spiritual life doesn't just happen. It does not just happen. You can be so well-intentioned. It doesn't just happen. It requires an intentional plan to get in God's word. And what fuels that plan is not obligation or duty, but real awareness of our need for God and his word. I hope you feel it today. Get a plan. Maybe pull out your smartphone right now. I give you permission and write down, get a plan. Maybe visit our website even right now and go to resources and, and find a plan. Find a resource that can help you reading the word. Get a plan. You have to have a plan. Secondly, get a place. This is helpful. It's helpful for me. Get a place. Find a consistent place for your God time. Could be your living room. It could be your kitchen table. It could be your bedroom. But you need to settle into a pattern of consistency with a place that you go to meet God in his word each day. In the wintertime, my place is beside the fireplace. That's where I go in the fall and winter. When it starts to get cold, that's my spot. 
I have a cup of coffee and that's my place. In the spring, in the summer, I like to go outside. That's my place. Sometimes I rotate. But you got to have some consistent place. It helps. It helps. Finally, get praying. Get praying. Do you believe the prayer works? Do you believe it? Then get praying for God to help you, to help you in this area. Pray that the Holy Spirit of God will speak to you when you open the Bible. Pray that God would give you insight into the pages of the Bible. Pray that God would teach you as you discipline yourself to be nourished consistently by streams of water that are his word. Pray also something that I pray often. I pray for wisdom. James chapter one, verse five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. I need wisdom. I know that I'm a fallen person who approaches this inerrant text. And sometimes I have a tendency to pull things and and make application that, that the original context doesn't want me to make to my life. I need wisdom. I need help. Loved ones, when you approach the word of God, you know a good way to approach it? Oh, God, help. Speak, breathe life into me. Help, Lord. I need you. I need you through this book today. Get a plan. Get a place. Get praying on the screen for you. Spurgeon also said this, and I thought it was powerful and insightful. He said, why is it that some Christians, although they hear many sermons, make but slow advances in the divine life because they neglect their closets and do not thoughtfully meditate on God's word from such folly. Deliver us. Oh, Lord. Now, I did something this summer that I had never done before. Went away on my break, and I took my phone, and much to my wife's great joy and delight, I turned it off. No, I didn't just put it aside. I didn't just silence notifications. I turned it off. And I put it in my desk drawer for a season, and I sought to make advances towards solitude. I sought to make advances towards a knowledge of God and a quietness of my spirit to silence the noise. Oh, loved ones, what do you need to do to actually get this book open and to discipline your life and then to find your life marked by blessing and joy and peace and power? I love what Spurgeon says. Why are so many Christians sitting under so many sermons and finding no blessing? They neglect their closets. And I dare to say that we would be in danger of sitting under hundreds and hundreds of sermons and remaining unchanged. You can have knowledge You can have theological insight. You can have your podcast full of sermons. But if we neglect our closet, and if we fail to come to the word ourselves, to feed on the truth for ourselves, we may not advance very far. Oh, how I pray that God would deliver us from the folly of neglecting time alone with God 
and that he would carry us daily into the blessed life, the life of communion with him through his word. What the blessed life looks like, firmly rooted, and finally this, what the blessed life looks like, make a note of this, abundantly fruitful. Abundantly fruitful. Notice verse 3. We're going to move quickly here. Verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Watch this. That yields its fruit in its season. What does this mean? Well, if we follow the imagery of the tree in Psalm 1, we begin to realize that the blessed life always produces something good in its particular season. And the Bible calls it fruit. This tells me that we should all be very concerned with the the fruit of our lives. Tells me also that we should all be very patient as the fruit bearing process unfolds. Why? Because the psalmist says that it bears fruit in its season. If you decide tomorrow morning that you're going to pick up the word of God and you're going to commit yourself to read the word of God and be like a tree planted, then wait expectantly and watch for God to bear fruit in its season in different ways, at different times, in different seasons. And maybe you're here today and you've invested and invested and you see your life changing and growing, but there's certain things you're praying for, certain things you're learning about and you're expecting and anticipating, putting your faith in God for certain things, but the fruit has not been born yet. It's not season yet. It's not time. However, the Christian life, the blessed life is always a life that is abundantly Fruitful. What exactly does that mean? It sounds kind of churchy. Fruit? What are you talking about? Fruit. Really quick, I want to show you four ways the blessed life can bear fruit. Four ways the Bible talks about fruit. Four ways we can experience great blessing. And actually, I believe inherent in this text, teaching us to become a blessing to others. When we bear fruit, it's not just for ourselves. We bear fruit and our blessing to others really quickly write this down the blessed life produces the fruit of you can make a note of this a christ likeness christ likeness a life of blessing is a life that experiences the sanctifying power of god changing us making us more like him i love what jesus prayed in john 17 i believe it's verse 17 when he said sanctify them in truth your word is truth that's the fruit that is born in our lives. Christ-likeness. Galatians 5, to 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. When we give ourselves to the Word of God, we become like trees that are firmly rooted, that bear their fruit in its season. And the fruit that's born in our lives, one way we can see it is in the fruit of Christ's likeness and sanctification. The word of God changes us. And I know I need that. Every day I approach the word of God, I say, God, change me. God, change me. I have so far to go. 
so much wrong with me. There's so much in me that loves the world and, and does not love you enough. Lord, change me. Make me more like you. Make me more loving. Make me more patient. Make me, Lord, make me like you. Help me this is what he does. This is what he does. And if you're in Christ, you know, you're not the same person today as you were last year or when you first came to Christ. Secondly, the blessed life produces the fruit, not only of Christ's likeness, but secondly, the fruit of serving or service. This is important. Important, especially as we consider the days that we're living in, especially as we approach the launch of a new ministry year, especially as we, so to speak, regather our church, reassemble, get our footings again. So many people are still calibrating to, 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 to life post-pandemic. What does it look like for you, this fruit of serving? The life of blessing is a life that bears the fruit of serving and ministry and good works. Listen to me, in the church and in the marketplace, within the ministries of this church, and in the school or workplace or family that God has placed you in. On Saturdays at Meals for the City, on Sundays as we gather for worship, on Wednesdays with your small group, but also in every other area of your life. We are blessed to be a blessing as an outworking of the Great Commission through the fruit of serving. Sometimes I talk to people and they say something that's absolutely unbiblical and tragic to me. They say something to the effect of, I, I can't wait to get through my work day so that I can just serve God at church. Can't wait to get through the work week so that I can just serve God on Sundays. No need to make that distinction. We need to bear the fruit of serving in the workplace all day. In your church when you are here and living life among believers. When we walk out of here and interact with people who don't know Jesus Christ to be salt and light, far too long the Christian church has made this separation. I serve God at church and I just do work during the week and get that out of the way so that I can actually serve God. It's a tragic understanding. Did you know, loved ones, that work was not a result of the fall? Adam and Eve were put in the garden to work before sin entered the world. Sin just cursed work, but we were created to work. So work for the glory of God. Work and bear the fruit of service in your workplace. Serve God in your school. Serve God in the marketplace. And yes, serve him in our church. We need you here, loved ones. God is opening door, doors. He's opening doors in our city to reach people. He's opening doors. The Great Commission is going out and ready to go out with greater power. Oh, how I pray that more and more Christians in this church would say, I'm not bearing enough fruit in serving. I want to serve. I want to join a team. I want to serve in my small group. I want to serve. Oh, loved ones, if you want to serve more and bear this fruit more, I encourage you to come talk to us. Come right up here after the service and come talk to us and we'll help you to plug in. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 1.10, we have not ceased 
to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We need to bear the fruit of serving. Thirdly, blessed life produces the fruit of Christ-likeness, serving. Thirdly, worship, worship. Hebrews 13, 15 says, through him, then, Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, what does he call it? The fruit, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. You know, loved ones, sometimes I brag about you when I go to other churches or talk with other pastors. I say, don't let me down here, loved ones, but I say our church responds when I preach. They say, amen. Yes. They like to clap their hands. You can do that. They celebrate. They worship. Why do we do that? Because we're blessed. Because we've been saved by grace. And we put our faith in Jesus Christ and our life is changed. And this blessed life bears the fruit of worship. Finally, Finally, the blessed life produces the fruit not only of Christ-likeness or serving and worship. Finally, the blessed life produces the fruit of conversion. Conversion. The blessed life is a life devoted to making disciples, seeing others enter the kingdom of God through a knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Bible calls the conversion of souls by the gospel fruit. I'll show you two places from the scriptures. Romans 1.13. Paul says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often been intended to come to you but thus far have been prevented in order that I may, he says, reap a harvest. The word for harvest is actually fruit among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. In John 4, 36, Jesus spoke of gathering fruit for eternal life. Loved ones, the blessed life is abundantly fruitful because it is rooted in the streams of living water dependent on the word of God and therefore consistent in the word of God and bearing the fruit of conversion. Last question for you, I think. Last question for you. Not for you to feel guilty, but to think about the fruit of your life. When was the last time you bore the fruit of conversion? You've led someone to Jesus Christ. Can you think of a time recently where you've led someone into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you were reaping a harvest of that soul? Or when was the last time you scattered the seed of the word of God through evangelism so that someone could respond to the gospel? I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I'm not. I'm just trying to challenge us as I challenge my own heart. We, we, can't, we can't just stay comfortable in our church. We have to be challenged. We have to come to points of crisis in our lives. We have to come to points of a, a crossroads. Am I, is this fruit being born in my life? I've been a Christian for, for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and I have yet to lead someone to Christ. If that's true, then, then I want to challenge you so that God could bear this fruit in us. That's the fruit that comes from the life that is firmly rooted 
It's the abundant fruit. So how are we doing, loved ones? How are we doing? So many of us, as we close here, so many of our rhythms have been interrupted over the last two years. And for some, we have yet to snap out of the pandemic slump. It's time to snap out of it. It's time to wake up. It's time to stop staring at the news with fear and start picking up the Bible with great faith and expectation. It's time to stop wandering into our workplaces like we are aimless and without a purpose and start walking prayerful and powerfully into our workplaces with the authority of God's word that has strengthened our souls that morning that will open now the opportunity that we have prayed for to speak to someone and bear the fruit of conversion. It's time for us to snap out of the sleepiness and walk into our church with our hands raised and our hands clapping and our hearts lifted to God to sing as loud as we can as if it's the last time we get a chance to sing corporately and to worship God. It's time for us to wake up out of our drunken stupor and roll up our sleeves and say, I will put my hands to the plow in this church. I'm not going to watch other people do it anymore. I'm going to do it. If you want your life to count, I'm praying with faith. This message is stirring your affections and your desire first for the word of God, that it would bear fruit in your life in this way. Oh, that he would do it. Oh, that you would do it, Lord. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.